big energy that I've talked about as being challenging that hits again in in May and then again in uh, November, we have already survived the first passage. And the first is always the biggest. And so the second pass and then the third pass will be less intense than the one we've just survived. So that's something to sort of hold on to is to rather than look ahead at me saying sudden unexpected things will come to knock you off balance and you have to somehow navigate them and, and make them okay with you, that we're, we're already doing it. We're already engaged in that process and we've already succeeded in navigating, I think, what was ultimately a really challenging paradigm shifting moment. Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means that no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. So 2016 was pretty intense. Yeah, and challenging. And 2017 also looks like it's going to be a pivotal year, not just for us individually on our own paths, in our own practices, but also for the world, because look what's happening out there. So what does astrology have to tell us about the possibilities, the potential, the pitfalls of 2017? And how can we tap into this information and use it to bring in more light. Well, my favorite and your favorite, Dr. Michael Lennox, dream interpretation and astrological expert, is here today to discuss the year ahead and how we can make the most of it. Are you ready to meet him? A practicing astrologer for more than 15 years, Dr. Michael Lennox's popular website and column on astrology is read by thousands of people every day, and he attracts clients from all over the world. Now, Michael's also internationally known as a dream interpreter, and he's the author of Dream Sight, a dictionary and guide for interpreting any dream, and Llewellyn's Complete Dictionary of Dreams. He's got a new book coming out in the fall called The Little Book of Dreams, and that should be out around September of this year. Dr. Lennox has been seen internationally by millions of viewers on a ton of television shows as well as local news broadcasts about the, across the country, and you can find out more about Michael and his work at michaellennox.com. Michael Welcome to Out of the Fog. It is always a pleasure to be here with you, always truly. Oh, thank you. I love talking to you and tapping into the energy of what's ahead. But before we do what's ahead, so 2016 was like being hit repeatedly <laughs> over the head with a brick. <laughs> was how, it not? <laughs> how come? And <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Well, you know, uh, astrology, uh, one of the best uses of astrology is in hindsight. <laughs> um, it is often easy to make sense of something after it's occurred because the, archety- you know, the archetypal interpretation of a transit is one thing, but once we have the occurrence, we can look back and say, oh, I see how this happened as a result of that. So 
In late 2015, as I was preparing myself and my readers and followers for 2016, I noted that the planet Saturn and the planet Neptune were going to be in a 90-degree angle with each other all year long. That's, that's a big transit that we all felt globally. And the loose interpretation or the quick interpretation of that was Saturn is the teacher, the restrictor, the guy who says, get your crap together and do your best job, or I will trip you <laughs> so that you learn the lesson you need to learn. And Neptune is the planet that rules the, the spiritual nature of humanity. I call him the great spirit. So the great teacher and the great spirit were in an agitated geometry all last year. And in the square, a 90-degree angle, it's both parties are arguing for their side, and no one can win. Like, if, if, if someone wins in a square, then the building falls down. That's like the floor winning over the wall, and then the wall lies down by, by mistake, and then the building topples. So in a 90-degree angle, you've got to capitulate to both Saturn, the teacher, the restrictor, and Neptune, the teacher, uh, the, Neptune, the spirit, the love, the, everything is connected. So what I was telling all of the people that I connect with is this is a year about there being a demand for a daily spiritual practice. Like there's no wiggle room with this. Saturn says you must, and Neptune says it's the spiritual connection that you must do. That was what I was talking about. Now, what's interesting about what 2016 gave us was a hard, fast look in the mirror about who we really are as a country, as a global entity. Things were revealed about us that were shocking to be you know, reckoned with. Neptune also rules fog, cloud, confusion, delusion, things that are hidden and shrouded in either mystery or, or stupidity are, are operating on Neptune's capacity to sort of put a veil of illusion into things. And Saturn squaring Neptune was very much about lifting the veil of illusion. And that's what we got. We got that right, left, and center, whether it's, you know, Brexit over in Europe or a shocking electoral process. We are left at the end of the day with Saturn, the restrictor teacher karma dude, pulling the veil of illusion that Neptune supplies away and saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is who you really are. And a lot of things last year, at least from what I saw in the work that I am doing, a lot of things last year felt amplified. So not just illusion, but delusion, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a huge amplification, and that's the power of, in astrology, these slower planets hitting each other. Um, big energies require big planetary uh, uh, participation. And, you know, the spiritual perspective, and this would be the Neptune piece, the spiritual perspective is, it's all love. Love is all there is. That's what we teach. Love is all there is. And so you must turn to any appearance and bring love. Now, that's always true, but it's not just a platitude or a bumper sticker. It's a practice. It's a process. You got to do that no matter what the world is showing you. And that was Saturn. 
Saturn was saying, can you do this now? Can you do this now? Can you still do this? Even now, if I show you this man behind the curtain, can you still turn to the world and say, yes, there is only love. Love is all there is, which, of course, is still true and still a demand that is made of us in humanity, but very difficult to do when the landscape of, you know, your life is <laughs> challenging, confronting, and scary. And it seemed part of that amplification to me also seems to, for, for what I know personally and what I know now for friends who I'm talking with, it's, a, it's a, an invitation for me to examine my values and am I willing to stand behind those. Because yes. it's real easy when, the, when it's all unicorns and cupcakes, then it's easy and we love and know how nice it is. And when it gets weird or it gets scary or it gets uncomfortable, that's when we're really called to action. I right. believe that those of us who are healers and light workers and way showers and all those good things, it's, it's time now for us to grab our backpacks and report for duty. I, I would agree. I would say, you know, this is, this is kind of a moment or the moment even perhaps that we're here for, that we're here to usher in this, you know, deeper perspective of how to perceive life and consciousness. And it's, it is when it's difficult that we're called to action. We are the first responders huh. <laughs> to the spiritual crises of the planetary being. Well, and we have free will. If we choose not to respond, then we right. won't respond. That's right. And I would say that Saturn squaring Neptune last year had this to say about that. Yes, you still have free will and you can choose not to respond, but I'm going to give you a world as it is. I'm going to show you life on life's terms. And so you can choose not to respond, but mm, that might not feel better yes. than the fearful jumping into the abyss of, okay, well then what is my role? What is my role in facing this, you know, whether it's your political and community challenge or your, you know, interpersonal relationship challenges or you're just your personal experience of challenging, you know, humanity in your own skin. No more wiggle room is what I like to say. So as we sort of totter into 2017 now, all kind of stunned and reeling, yeah. what is it? What, mm, it's going to be really great and easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be swell? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, here's what I have to say about what it's going to be. There's sort of good news, bad news. I'll start with the astrology. The astrological big news of this year also involves Saturn. So that means we're still in karmic, life lesson-y, great teacher-guided experience. And he's coming off of last year's demand that you get a spiritual practice that really works for you. Why? Because he's this year going to be trining... So a different angle, 120 degrees, the planet Uranus. So there's a very big difference between what Neptune brings and what Uranus brings. Uranus is the great awakener. And Uranus works with lightning. Uranus and Zeus are the same god. Lightning wakes us up and it shows us what we need to see. But it can do so in a fairly frightening and potentially destructive uh, construct. Uh, Uranus wakes us up, but doesn't care if he does it by lifting you up or burning your house down. Mm. And so the timbre of any transit that involves Uranus is excited, excitable, but it's anything can happen and probably will. And a trine, 120 degrees, implies that both 
parties are in equal harmonious contribution to what they're both up to and up for. So if Saturn is up for teaching us and Uranus is up for waking us up with sudden and unexpected occurrences and they're both in equal, you know, presence, then we're going to have sudden, unexpected, potentially shocking occurrences that we are going to learn from, that we are going to take into our karmic experience and process. Now, the first pass of this trine actually happened in December. And these are slow-moving planets, so the building arc of that geometry that hit in December was certainly present on the planet in November, and we all know what sort of shocking, unexpected occurrence <laughs> happened on the planet in November. So... You can expect more of the world presenting us with surprising, out of the blue, and potentially shocking life events, global events, political events, community events that we are going to have to grapple with, make sense of, and somehow incorporate into how we see our world, no matter what we you know, feel about those scary and frightening occurrences. Our job as light workers is to incorporate them into our worldview and then somehow come back to, and I'm a stand for love. Even if what that looks like is by virtue of turning on the TV or listening to the radio and finding out where the latest, you know, big bombing occurred so that you know where to direct your prayers and higher thoughts. Right. Well, and there's that I've had a couple people say to me, especially after, because November was surprising, no matter what side you're on in the U.S., and because of all the things that are going on around the world that are upsetting, and uh, my goodness, I've had a lot of people, a few people say to me, surely something will happen, it, it can't go on like this, surely something will happen and we'll be saved, or it'll turn around, or a miracle will occur, and my my personal feeling about yeah. this is that we're the miracle. No, we're the right? miracle. It's us. Like, no. <laughs> Right. So in that context, though, looking at the astrology of it in that context, is there room for us to come in and start shaking things up? Well, you know, um, uh, I want to address the first thing you said, this idea that surely we'll be saved. It's like, no, sweetheart. <laughs> no, that's a fantasy that somehow... You know, it's like, I, I don't want to be sort of party political because I, I don't do that, but let's just say that the president-elect has a lot of people saying on Facebook things like, um, oh, he's not going to make it, or oh, this will happen. It's like, no, 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 this is, that's a fantasy. That's, a, that's the rescue fantasy, that surely something... No, this is the life that we live now. This is the planet upon which we live. And yeah, you are the miracle. You are the savior. Your transcendence in this moment isn't that things go away from making it a shocking, scary, difficult world. The transcendence is you no longer see it as a dangerous thing. You see it as a call to action to lift the vibration and do your part, even if you don't get to see the direct benefit and result of you doing so. What if the peace for humanity that we're building now doesn't come about for a couple of generations? If you don't do your part now, there'll be no shoulders on which the next generation can stand. And that's, and that's the miracle. That's, 
That's the transformation. We are the generation building, you know, strong shoulders on which the next generation gets to stand and do their part. Well, and that plays into that idea that this is all leading somewhere or to something that if we choose that we're building, mm, that we may be building more into that, what you're calling the, the awakening, building more into an awareness or uh, kind of us taking ownership and taking, um, using our free will to make something good happen in the world. Well, again, you just have to be careful of what that outcome is in your fantasy. You know, that if that good thing is a fantasy that suddenly everyone's going to get along, then you're deluding yourself. Right. If that outcome is trusting and believing that if you actually experienced a transformation in your heart such that you saw things differently, you would be someone who sees things differently, and then you would no longer be frightened by the things that frightened you today. It's like the person who wants to draw in their soulmate and their loved one, and they say, well, you've got to cultivate a relationship with yourself first. And they go, oh, right, yes. And then they go busily cultivating a relationship with themselves, still looking outside across the horizon for you know, he or she to come barreling over to save and rescue them. Yes. What's ironic about that is that when you cultivate a relationship with yourself, you're no longer in some deep, profound longing and need for someone else to come along and rescue you. And then if they don't come, you're like, ah, I'm good. <laughs> I can live without that. And then that's usually they say, they say, air quotes, that's when it occurs. You know, that's when somebody comes because you're in a more attractive space. The same thing is true about how we perceive the world and the things that are in the world that frighten us. When we transform how we see the world, I like to say, if we see the peace between the bullets, then we're seeing peace. And that's part of what the 2017 landscape of opportunity is going to provide us is chances to do that. You know, May, April, May is when these guys, Saturn and and Uranus will try it again. And then um, uh, uh, a third time in uh, November. So there's plenty of peaks of this energy wave coming in the spring and the fall where yet again, we may find that the world is lifting up and throwing back at us really chunky, surprising and unexpected occurrences to have to incorporate into our worldview and say, I'm still willing to raise the vibration. I'm still willing to see love in everything. And, you know, maybe that just looks like you stop, you know, barking about how it's their fault. You know, that's what a lot of people like to do when they're frightened about the political landscape. They say, well, my side's right and that side is wrong. Yeah, except that that's, that keeps us in separation. You know, you know that's like saying you, you know, there, every way to practice a spiritual, you know, idiom or, or, or a religion ultimately leads to the same God. There's only one. <laughs> and so all roads lead to the one, you know, connection that is in each of our hearts to have. So our, our job with that is to ultimately say, it doesn't matter how you do it or I do it, we're both doing the same thing. We've got to do that with every construct of life on earth. And that might give us that foundation through spiritual practice, through building the relationship with ourself and 
with spirit so that when we are, when we find ourselves being hit over the head repeatedly with a brick or when we are in unpredictable times, that we have the resources and the wherewithal and the uh, connection to see the peace between the bullets. Right. And that's, that's possible. I know it's possible. I'm a, I'm living proof that it's possible. I've, you know, been someone who has transformed fairly dramatically the way in which I, you know, perceive the world around me such that the suffering I have today is, is just nothing compared to what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, two years ago. That is continually easier and easier to move from upset into grace and serenity because I have a practice of doing that. It doesn't mean that I'm not upset by things. I just let it go as fast as I possibly can and hopefully do so without some sort of spiritual bypass that says, oh, yes, it's all love and light. No, it's not all love and light. It's pain and misery and suffering and fear and, and awfulness and betrayal and retribution and yuck. Oh, but that's an illusion. How fast can I move through that and return to the idea that I'm not in danger? How have you done that? Are you comfortable sharing a little oh, of your sure. spiritual practice? Because what you're talking about, that move from fear to grace, is something that I think all of us are in some stage of all the time. Um, okay, so um, I believe that prayer is the most powerful mind changer that there is. And interestingly, as a psychologist, I'm also trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. And I don't practice that, but as a spiritual teacher, I do, kind of, <laughs> that I practice the act of allowing a thought pattern to emerge into my head and then turning prayer on it and saying, I'm not interested in that thought anymore. I'm going to drop it and I'm going to replace it with a prayer that uh, all is well. And a quick personal story. I'm having a problem with my car and not the greatest conversation with my customer service person at, at the Chevy dealer. And periodically, I have a conversation with this gentleman about my car. The problem is he's not in the room. <laughs> so I don't allow myself to stay in those monologues where I am yet again, you know, not only, you know, repeating what the problem with the car is, I'm also making sure that he knows how stupid he is that he's not following the conversation that I'm trying to have with him. Now, that doesn't last for more than 11 seconds in my world. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, I'd be having those conversations with him all day long. Yeah. Because I wouldn't even notice that I was way off my own center because don't you know how important it is that this car problem gets fixed? <laughs> But today, because I've done enough spiritual push-ups, the minute I'm out of center like that, having a conversation with somebody who is not in the room, I feel awful. And then I'm just willing to stop. So if you wake up and you turn on the news and you start feeling terrible because there's just death and destruction all over the world, you can go there. You certainly need to go there, probably, if that's your authentic experience, that you feel aggrieved and scared, that the terror is mounting and mounting. But you've got to pull back away from it, and that means you have to be willing 
to stop the monologue in your head and can't argue against that by saying, well, but it's so important. Don't you realize how important it is? Yes, but your spiritual fitness is more important because that's how you actually change it. You don't change it by complaining about how awful it is. You change it by sending prayers and thoughts and love in the direction of the bombing that just happened. But But you do have to have some spaciousness in there to know when you're been, you know, sort of taken hostage by when your own inner monologue has grabbed the reins. Yeah. And that, I know we're right up against the break, but that I'm really familiar with that inner monologue because I certainly have, I can, I can go all night with one of those. How could they and why didn't they? And <laughs> right, why, right, right. Didn't he see and don't you know who I am? And I go right to my big inflated, puffy, cranky place and I can sustain that for hours, you know, if there's, <laughs> if there's nothing good on TV. Well, um, and, and, and because the stakes are so high, um, it's easy to think that it's okay to stay there because the things that we're perseverating about are, are really dastardly. And it seems important to think about them, but it really isn't. Well, it's more it, important that you come into a prayerful place and say, okay, I'm going to send healing love and light and energy in that direction because it needs it. Well, and from that place of getting triggered, of getting stuck on that thought, like getting your sweater caught as you move through a door, that once you go down that path, that can lead to some kind of twisty, obsessive finding patterns and creating patterns that snarl all around themselves. And then you've got a real tangle going. Right. So now you're listening to Out of the Fog and I'm talking with the wonderful Dr. Michael Lennox. Um, his website is michaellennox.com. And if you go there, there is a place for you to sign up for his daily astro alerts that pops into your email. I'll ask him about that after the break. You have an opportunity there to take a look at uh, the MP3 recording that he did of a lot of stuff about what we can expect in 2017, what's coming up. We'll also do more of that after the break. He also is going to be teaching at Shalom Mountain in June and there's more about that at his site as well, michaellennox.com. Now, when we come back, I want to ask Michael more about spiritual practice, and I'm really interested to see how dreaming, and especially what I would think of as kind of precognitive or prophetic dreaming, if that has anything to do or is affected at all by the astrological place in which we find ourselves. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Linda Ellerby. Did you know that every three minutes, another woman gets the news she has breast cancer? I got it 11 years ago, and I know how scary it can be. Everything your doctor says sounds like a foreign language. HER2 new, oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Please listen. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. The first place to go the minute you find you have breast cancer, breastcancer.org. 
You're listening to Empower Radio, an entire radio station devoted to your personal development, expanding your conscious awareness, and empowering positive change. Meet our hosts and listen online at EmpowerRadio.com, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, or download the Empower Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. It's free in the App Store, and it lets you listen to our shows and podcasts on demand. Empowering people, empowering change. Empower Radio, online at EmpowerRadio.com. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Russell Wilson here, and I know how important exercise is. It's essential. It's essential. With Play 60, United Way and the NFL are helping kids stay active and play at least 60 minutes a day. Healthy kids. Healthy kids. But what this place needs is you. To donate or volunteer, go to unitedway.org slash play60. Because great things happen when we live united. Donate, donate. Are you guys going to do that every time? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Dr. Michael Lennox. He's an internationally known astrologer and dream expert. You can find out more about Michael and his work at MichaelLennox.com. And of course, I welcome your questions, your insight, your comments about what you're hearing today. What, how did you experience 2016? What was that like for you? And what are your hopes and your intentions moving forward? Feeding on what Michael is saying about the importance of us kind of being centered, being in good spiritual practice, doing our spiritual push-ups. How will you take that energy into 2017 so that no matter what it brings, you're ready for what comes. You can always reach me through my website, karenhager.com, or find me via email. My email address is karen at karenhager.com. And Michael, as we were going into the break, you were talking a little bit about spiritual practice for you and about the, the ability to take that inner monologue and turn it off. And while we were on break, Nate, the producer, and I were talking in the studio. He was talking about having an experience of having kind of immersed himself in media in kind of upsetting and negative media and how that then was like affecting him all day. So what we feed ourselves spiritually affects not just how we feel, but also can affect our practice, right? Well, everything we, we cast our eyes on increases and multiplies. You know, there's a wonderful analogy in physics about this, that a particle can appear or exist in two separate places at the same time and doesn't actually come into existence until it is observed. And wow. that's, that's just a law of physics. And that's 
directly translatable to the idea of what you see is what you become. And so if you see social media posts filled with, you know, frightened, angry people, you become that. And then in order for that consciousness to continue its survival, it asks you to eat more of it. <laughs> and so you get stuck. You're down, now you're in the loop, you know, where it's replicating itself by asking you to stay and read one more post. And then it's just you know, creating <clears throat> the inner emotional experience of that which you've exposed yourself to. And there's only one, <laughs> one solution to that, and it's not terribly spiritual. It's just you've got to stop. You gotta stop. You gotta turn off the feed. Right. If you're locked by the feed, you have to turn off the feed. You have to be willing to do that. Well, but we start to wonder sometimes then who are, if I've defined myself by my, let's, I'll say Facebook, if I've defined myself by who I am on Facebook or by um, the opinions that are fed to me by the media that I watch, when I turn off that feed, who am I gonna be? And maybe that keeps people hooked in. Well, I think that you're, you're, you're nailing the, you know, the, the heart of the resistance to doing it is, is that on an interpersonal level, just you with you inside your own skin, there's not a single human being on the planet that isn't also structured to be a little afraid of the inner turmoil, the war that's inside of us. So the war that's outside of us is no different than the war that's inside of us. So if you're looking at your Facebook feed and you're getting sucked into the enmity and the virulence of the message there and you turn off the Facebook feed, that reflection that the Facebook feed was offering you is reflecting something that's inside of us. So we turn it off on the outside world and we're going to discover that the war is inside of us, that the war rages in our own hearts. And in some ways, this, a lot of teachers sort of you know, put this as the, the, the heart and the mind at war with each other, what you think and what you feel at war with each other, or at least not in congruence with each other. And so people are afraid to turn off the feed because they're often going to be in some grief and discomfort and... Uh, in their own skin, in their own space, in the in the privacy of a world that isn't locked into something that, that is distracting them. And that is scary. And, you know, you asked how I sort of came to the place where I am now. Part of it was is that I had to spend a year or two in a dark night of the soul, where I was willing to sit still while my demons ate my flesh. But I was committed to staying, you know, connected to process and prayer and, and, you know, therapy when I needed it and writing and journaling and dream work and just a relentless process of self-investigation while all of the scariest, darkest, most self-destructive impulses came to the light of day and, you know, healed through them with the tools that I had been given. And that you not only survived that, but are living Beautifully. Yes. I, th I think sometimes yes. we are afraid that we'll be extinguished. Yes, absolutely. We, we are afraid. And, and, you know, as, as silly as it sounds, it's a very, it lives in us as a very real fear. That my, the, the, the feelings that I'm keeping under lock and key are um, absolutely uh, terrifying. And, and they, that fear that they will kill you 
least in my experience, that was real. Like, I really believed they would kill me, even though I knew that was a completely irrational thought and that my rational mind knew that it was not possible. It feels possible. And as we are moving into this time that you're already sharing with us is maybe not all rainbows and kittens and unicorns, when we have lightning strikes to wake us up, the willingness to be awake, even if it's not snugly, feels to me to be absolutely essential. And that's where teachers like you, and that's where being informed and paying attention to what you're feeding yourself on all levels of the equation feels so important. Yeah, so important. Like I said, no more wiggle room. It's, it's, there's just no more wiggle room because it's that important. And the, the speed of thought manifesting into form is so fast these days that we can't afford to be complacent. And remember, feelings are a form. So, you know, as everyone's out there learning about the laws of attraction, I'm going to attract money. It's like, yeah, but feelings are also a form that we manifest. So we look at our Facebook feeds and it creates an anxious feeling. That's the law of cause and effect. That is manifestation in action. So yeah, turn off your computer or your phone and go take a walk. That's a spiritual tool that'll be transformative. And actually can become a daily spiritual practice. Absolutely. And what is it doing? It's taking trees and flowers and birds and dogs (laughs) and putting them inside of you to create a feeling sensation. Now, and I, done on a regular basis as a practice will be, can be transformative. And because when we're in the loop, we create more of the loop. Yes. And when we are out of the loop or in that good spiritual loop, we create more, more of, that. of that. That's right. I wanted to ask about the way that dreams play into. I think I have about 800 questions. Let me start with how do dreams play into an assessment of how we're doing mentally, physically, emotionally? Because if I sit and watch things that upset me all day, I'm going to have upsetting dreams at night. Yes, potentially. One thing to respect about dreams is that they know what they're doing. And dreams are designed to help us process stress. And so often when people have scary dreams, and uncomfortable dreams, there's this, this is sort of a loose paraphrase. No one's actually ever said these words, but I've heard it enough times in theme that someone has a terrible, awful, disgusting, gross, bloody dream, and they think they're failing. I had this horrible dream. I must be failing somehow at being a better person or a more spiritual person. It's like, no, no, no. Dark, dark, scary, shadowy dreams are valuable. They're alerting us to the fact that there's something that needs our attention, And the dream is actually doing the work for you. You know, yes, it's not a bad idea to think about, feel about, ruminate about, marinate in the images and the ideas that the dream evoked. But the successful interpretation isn't coming to the aha, I know what that means. The successful dream experience is waking up from that gory dream going, oh, I processed some deep, dark shadow during the night. Thank you goodness that I have this mechanism that helps me do that, as opposed to waking up saying, oh, I had this awful dream. Uh, Isn't that awful? Or when people call me, which is, I had this awful dream. Is it about to come true? Oh, God, I love that one. It's always very difficult for me not to be sort of, you know, snarky when I get that call, because it's like, honey, 
have all your dreams always come true <laughs> in your life? And they're like, well, no. Then why do you think this one is? Because it's particularly scary? Well, but it taps into, I mean, it taps into a fear that I think is very real. If if I'm in a time when things are unpredictable and, and I and I feel called to action, but I'm not sure what that is, and I know I should have a good spiritual foundation, but I'm not quite sure I'm there, I might have a dream about cannibal zombie dogs and then see that <laughs> as a, as like a, a, a precursor of something that could really happen because my anxious loop tells me that that is possible. Right, but you see right there built in, I'd love that. I'd love that you finished out with because my anxious loop tells me that that's possible. That's what's telling you it's possible. It's the possible fantasy piece of it is, is a fear-based idea that you live in a world where you're in that much danger. Now, that's not to say that, you know, people don't, you know, die very suddenly or accidents don't happen that are freaky and fatal and that, you know, we lose loved ones just when we need them the most. That life is that way. There, there is chaos and, 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 and enmity in the world in that way. It is really rare that somebody dreams of an apocalypse and then the di- and then the world ends the next day. Yes. But it's not it's not rare, it's quite frequent in fact to have a belief that we are in danger just by being alive. And so we're looking for that. I don't live in that world. I don't ever feel in danger ever. Yet I also, you know, look, you know, North Korea Nuclear arsenal. I live in Los Angeles. You know, who would he bomb if, if he could? Hollywood. You know, oh my God, could I? I live in the land of earthquakes. And there's all kinds of things that I could be tapping and locking into. I'm not earthquake prepared. Honey, if the big one hits, I'm in trouble. But I, I don't live in worry of that. And even if, you know, something, you know, fell on me and, you know, the 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 glass and the painting over my couch slit my throat because <laughs> of the angle that it fell in. You know, I'm I'm sort of okay with that. I don't live in the fear that that might happen, and yet it might. Maybe there's a difference between I don't know how to say this right, but maybe there's a difference between the things we think we can control. Yeah. Okay. And oh, the boom, boom, we can boom, boom, boom. You you nailed it. You nailed it, sweetheart. That is absolutely <clears throat> what we're talking about here. Anything that's out of your control does not deserve your attention. It is time wasted. By the way, the whole idea of prayer and why I think it's such an important go-to in a spiritual practice, if I could live in unceasing prayer, I would, and I aspire to that, and I work my best inside the mentality of my inner mental landscape to do so. And if we could do a Vulcan mind meld into my mind now today and say 15 years ago, it wouldn't be recognizable as the same mind. And it would be pretty darn quiet today compared to where I come from. And yet I would like, I aspire to an even greater sense of peace and harmony within my mind. And I do, I do that by practicing prayer. As often as I can. Your mind is always churning, and none of it's helpful. When you are, when you come to that place of realization, I am trying to control something I can't control. I'm in a loop that's got me um, triggered. I'm up all night having the dialogue with the Chevy mechanic. Is there 
something that you do or that you have learned that is like the first step to break that cycle? Yes, I put a hand on my heart, my other hand on my belly, and I breathe. It is the breath that we use to constrict and cut ourselves off from the center. And so it's through the breath that we release and let the chi flow. Like if, if you're going to work with the chakras as a kind of uh, uh, an image, you know, it's at the third chakra, which is concomitant with the diaphragm, that we cut off. And that's right below the heart and above the genitals. <laughs> that we cut off between the two. And so we're either down in the root chakra or the general chakra flipping out, or we're in our hearts, but we're cut off from our bodies. And we do that at the third chakra. We do that at the diaphragm. We do that with breath. We do that by breathing shallowly. And most people are barely breathing at all. It's amazing that anybody's alive and how shallowly they're breathing. I don't even know if shallowly is a word, but shallow breath is the peccadillo of the human race. Hmm. It's interesting because I, to me, I associate that th- third chakra also with that taking action, that oomph, that 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 uh, push, the that power, that making things happen um, from there. And it's interesting that that shallow breath might also keep us like shallow yeah. thoughts, yeah. shallow engagement, yeah. and get shallow engagement, lack of taking action. Yes, absolutely. Wow. So as we look. As we are now looking ahead to 2017 and we are breathing and we're looking at, even though it's unpredictable, there, there are things we can control and things we can't control. What would you like people to know, not to get them ready for something scary and fall back into the anxious loop, but what would you like them to know about the possibilities for expansion, for learning, for growth in this? I certainly would like them to know that the big energy that I've talked about as being um, uh, challenging uh, that hits again in, in May and then again in, the, in, in, in uh, November, we have already survived the first passage. And the first is always the biggest. What happens is these planets that met up in December will have their retrograde cycles, and so they'll cross paths again in this way in, in uh, May and November. Um, but the, in geometry, this, this thing called application and separation, that the application, that as something builds, it has its greatest strength. And so the second pass and then the third pass will be less intense than the one we've just survived. So that's something to sort of hold on to, is to rather than look ahead at me saying sudden unexpected things will come to knock you off balance and you have to somehow navigate them and, and make them okay with you, that we're, we're already doing it. We're already engaged in that process and we've already succeeded in navigating, I think, what was ultimately a really challenging paradigm-shifting moment this past fall. One of the things that I have been surprised, like pleasantly surprised by, I guess, was the ways in which communities have come together around events in the world. I don't just mean the election in the U.S. I mean looking at Brexit and looking at Syria and looking at uh, just you name it. The way that communities are coming together in what feels to me like a more caring way where we are less afraid, I think, to be open with each other and less afraid to commit I feel like we are, at least what I 
feel like I'm seeing when I connect with people is that we're taking our hands out of our pockets and starting to think about, okay, I could do something. I could move here. I could make a difference. Yes. Does I think that it, it's a moment of action. There's a call to action that we're all being presented with. And it's, you know, I'm so interesting. I am so not an activist. <laughs> and I was raised by someone who was a bit of an activist. And so as a result, I have a real aversion for it because I watched my mother railing against everything, you name it. And, and so it's sort of, I look at that behavior and I think, oh, I don't want to, I want none of that. And I am hosting uh, and sort of co-emceeing a peace rally here in Los Angeles next Thursday night. Yes. And, uh, no, I'm not speaking. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, emceeing. So I don't have to stand in the shoes of someone who has to stand up and have some sort of a, a, a message. Because I don't think that voice in me is mature. Like, I have no idea what my voice is as someone who's a stand for it's time to take action. But I know that I'm being called in that direction. I, I'm being called in that direction and it'll, I'll figure it out as I go. Like I'll just figure it out. But I know this, that if you are unhappy about the state of the world, then there's, there's something for you to do about that. Uh, and it's certainly different for everybody. And if it was just that you stopped complaining about how awful it was and closed your eyes and said, I lift the vibration of the planet up, I'm sending light and love and healing to the people who needed it. I would prefer that this president was not the president of the United States, but he is. And so I'm going to send him love and light and lift him up so that he has a transformation in his heart such that he leads the country in a spectacular and surprising way. I think you're an activist, Michael. <laughs> well, I don't know that I have a choice. Do you know? I just don't know that I, that I don't have a choice. I certainly know that as a teacher, I have always said this, that, that my job as a teacher is to help uh, people on an individual level heal the war, make peace inside their own landscape so that enough people on the planet are holding that view such that it can happen on the outside landscape. I, I certainly know that. But if I am an activist, if that's what I am becoming, it's only because the world is demanding it, not only of me, but of all of us, because how else are we going to change things unless we're taking some sort of action? And the action is not to rant on somebody's Facebook feed. That's not an action. Yeah. I, now, I see us. I see us running out of time, and I'm already getting all sad. And we're not even done yet. Um, would you tell people about what they can find on their on your website? Tell us about the books. Tell us about the daily astro alerts. Do all that promoting stuff. Sure thing. So I do. In fact, it is the beginning of the year, and so I do have a 60 minute MP3 audio transmission where I sat with all of my notes in front of me and channeled out a description of the year's energy, which includes a piece that's a month-by-month -month forecast for the entire year and a little bit of a sign-by-sign -sign impact of what different signs can expect. Um, and that's, uh, that's on my homepage right now, and it's easy to just so purchase that for $24.99. It gets delivered to your email as an MP3 download. Um, the Daily Astro Alerts is something I've been doing for uh, about three years now, which is something I delight in doing. It's 
uh, a daily email sent out to my subscribers. It goes out at 9 p.m. Pacific time for the next day, describing the astrological weather for the day. And um, I, yes, I get up every morning and I see what's going on and I write an email about that and send it out. And that's right there on the homepage. It says daily astro alerts and you can sign up for that as well. It's also great to just get on my newsletter because uh, I do send out a full moon and a new moon report twice a month um, to all of the people on my general list, absolutely free. And people uh, seem to respond quite you know, well to that. I also put that out on Facebook, so you can certainly follow me or friend me on Facebook as Michael Lennox or my uh, professional page on Facebook is called Perchance to Dream. My books are available everywhere that books are sold, both in brick and mortar and online. So yeah, Dream Site, Llewellyn's Complete Dictionary of Dreams. The Little Book of Dreams comes out in September, as you mentioned, and I'm sort of back to the grindstone with the big book that probably won't emerge for about two or three years, but I am working on a comprehensive, you know, everything I like to teach, because although I am the dream guy and the astrology guy, there's a lot of other things I like to teach about, like meditation, like personal practice, like my approach to affirmative prayer. Um, so I'm that's me, you know, affirming. I've just said it in public that I'm going back to that book. I mean, I've started it, but every time I go back to work on it in earnest, my publisher knocks on my door and asks me to write another, another book. So <laughs> I, that's a blessing, but I do get pulled away from that project. Mm -hmm. And um, although I don't actually have information yet about Shalom Mountain on my website, I get very excited that it's a wonderful way to spend some intimate time with me covering all of the elements that I like to teach about in terms of a spiritual practice in a beautiful retreat setting in upstate New York. And that's going to be the first weekend in June of this year. And um, Shalom Mountain, which is easily to find on the internet, their website, um, it's a great place to listen. Even if you don't come to my retreat uh, the first weekend in June at Shalom Mountain, Shalom Mountain is a great place if you want to do some deep transpersonal work. They are some, it's a beautiful community of teachers and leaders doing extraordinary work on the planet. Oh, this is wonderful. You know how people do on, you know, Facebook, um, everybody picks a word for the year. My word is, I don't know, sparkle. My word is, I don't know, taffeta. Right, 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 right. It, do you have a word for 2017? Oh, I don't. Sparkle and taffeta are taken, so you can't oh, take those. yeah, right. Wow, you've, you've stymied I me. I feel like I should have, you know, come up with something spectacular. You know, um, persevere. Mm. persevere. Persevere. Do it anyway. Keep going. I hope that's not too downtrodden. <laughs> no, to me, no, 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 it doesn't feel that way. To me, it feels, um, it feels realistic. <laughs> yeah, We're yeah, going through yeah. it. We are in it. We'll keep going. We always right. do, right? Get your stuff together. Look at the truth. Take a breath, right? Hand on your heart, hand on the belly, and right. persevere. I think that's a beautiful word. Great. Michael, thank you so much for being on the program. I, you probably have figured out by now that I love talking to you. <laughs> well, you know I love talking to you. <laughs> and we'll have to do some things together soon. Yes, please. Uh, Michael and I teach with great delight when we are um, in Los Angeles together. And yes, there will be more of that coming. I'm just not sure when, so we'll have to talk about it. We'll talk. Yeah, we can do an online gallery reading, too. Soon. Yes. Oh, yes, let's. That's wonderful. Yes. So thank you. That is Dr. Michael Lennox, the amazing Dr. Michael Lennox. Find out more about Michael and his work at michaellennox.com. Read his books. Follow him on Facebook. His professional Facebook page is Perchance to 
dream, get on his email list because there's good, good stuff coming to you from his email list. That's all at michaellennox.com. Of course, you can always find me at karenhager.com. That's a wonderful place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can book a private session with me if you're looking for a little bit of intuitive guidance. And if you believe, as I do, that when we put our intention on peace, on change, when we become activists, kind of prayerful activists, things change, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's where you can get information about a free guided meditation that happens once a month, just 15 minutes, no politics, no selling, no hoo-ha. You are invited to join me and people from around the world in prayer and meditation focusing on peace. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.